From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Monday, October 5th, 2020. With Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers. Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines, bad news on the newspaper, bad news on the elevator, bad news on the street. Such a sadly appropriate theme song. This is Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax, and this is your local coronavirus update on KZYX for Monday. We'll be here from 3 to 3.30 talking about the latest in the coronavirus pandemic here in Mendocino County and taking your phone calls. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Welcome back. It's Monday. Thank you. How was your weekend? It was lovely. I had the weekend off. Nothing that eventful really happened starting on Friday night at 11.30 p.m. (laughs) Just this amazing mashup of karma and science. Right. So in the last five days since our show, another 200,000 Americans have tested positive for SARS-CoV-19. I really should say 200,001 because that one has been getting all of our attention. Sucking all the oxygen out of the whole country. Um, I'm not going to get into that too much, but I do think it really does illustrate what happens if you ignore science. Um, You do so at your pearl. Um, And COVID has really been this amazing revelator, right? It's it's revealed our shortcomings in our healthcare system in this country. It's revealed the massive discrepancies um, in the social inequalities of healthcare, access to healthcare, and the care one receives. And we see that in the number of people who are getting infected. We see that in the who is dying from this illness. Um, And it, it really has accelerated our capacity to see what happens when you ignore science. We don't see that with, say, global climate change or clean air or clean water. That's all much more subtle. But COVID, it just acts as an accelerant. At any rate, um, we have another 51 cases in the county um, in the last five days. Twenty. So our total um, COVID positive case count is now 1,005. We in the have county. broken 1,000. Yes, four digits. 27,169 tests. We're still testing it at approximately 150 a day. Uh, 1,076 of those tests are currently pending. Hospital utilization is still quite um, manageable. Seven are currently hospitalized, none in the ICU. And unfortunately, we did have a death in the county um, in the last several days. Our case count per 100,000 is still unchanged at 13 per 100,000 people. So 13 cases per day per 100,000 people, which translates to about a 9 to 10 a day in the county. Um, And our test positivity actually has crept up a little bit. Uh, We were at 3.4 and we're now slightly over 3.7% positive. The Sonoma County numbers are more or less the same. Um, Humboldt County is actually doing quite a good job. They're at about 20% of our current levels. Wow. Um, whether that's sort of an aberration or whether that reflects um, you know, greater attention to all these things that we can do to avoid spread of COVID, I don't know. Uh, California is still adding about 3,000 cases a day. Uh, We are now at 830,000 cases in the state of California with over 16,000 dead just in California. Wow. 
the United States, um, the two-week rolling trend is still positive, so we are seeing an ups, upswing in the daily case counts. Uh, not massively positive. It's about 6 to 8% um, with um, somewhere around 40, 000, approximately 40,000 new cases every single day in this country. 7.4 million people have had it over uh, just about 210,000 people have died. And just before I came down here, I saw the news that our President Trump uh, tweeted that we need not be afraid of COVID. He um, did. So I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to tell that to the families of the 210,000 people who have died in this country or the people who've lost their jobs or their businesses or the people with significant um harm or morbidity from a COVID infection. But it is an astonishingly... Um, cavalier, callous, yes, a cruel, statement from somebody who dangerous. had three pulmonary critical care doctors, two anesthesiologists, um, two infectious disease doctors, as well as an assortment of internists taking care of him. Do you know how many critical care doctors we have in this county, Alicia? Mm, less than five. One. We have one. Yes, oh. one. And you know how many infectious disease doctors we have in this county? None. Zero. Correct. Yeah. So a good, good guess. I'm yeah. learning from you and mm-hmm. Dr. Trotter yeah. a little bit more about the, the county's medical system here. Which brings us to a bit of housekeeping. There has been a request that we issue some sort of disclaimer. Oh, yeah. I did it on Friday just for good measure, but go ahead. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Drew Colfax speaking. I am speaking entirely on my own. I am not an employee of the county of Mendocino. I do not work for the County Department of Public Health or any governmental agency. I do not work for Adventist Hospital. I am an employee um, with Pacific Redwood Medical Group. I am speaking entirely on my own. I have not um, and will not receive any compensation for the show. And it should be said that the advice that I give here should not be taken as personal medical recommendations. Um, I, of course, recommend that you speak to your health care provider before making any health care decisions. That is easier said than done, since given this insane medical system that we have in this country, many of us don't have health care providers. Tattered state of our yes, health care. To which yep. I can only say, go vote. And to which Trump says, go vote early and often. So <laughs> vote and vote again. A couple things I want to mention of, of, of this whole experience of President Trump getting COVID. Um, I, thanks to you, understood what they were talking about when they said he had a cocktail of antibodies that they had given him, monoclonal antibodies. I understood what that was and what remdesivir was and meant and what the um, the steroids they were giving him and why. So thank you for educating at least me, but I'm sure all of the listeners who tune in every Monday and Wednesday to hear you, that we were much more oriented to what all of that stuff meant. The astonishing thing is actually he probably would not have met criteria for hospitalization given what has been published at least about his condition and he certainly would have met criteria for any of the medications that he received but well, so can't be it. they do damage if you don't need them they I can mean, but we're talking about somebody who took hydroxychloroquine so that, right. that's a very dangerous medication with really no clear root of efficacy for covid well it doesn't seem to have done any harm <laughs> well, how could you tell <laughs> Indeed, Alicia, indeed. 
the other thing I wanted to mention from the local numbers is that uh, we are, uh, as of the last report on the Mendocino County Public Health dashboard, we're at 124 active cases with 238 in quarantine as of yesterday, last evening. 124 cases is the, the, the most number of active cases that we've had so far in the pandemic. It's kind of swung a little bit, it but it's never gotten that high. I, I think that re- reflects the fact that if you have an active, if you have a case, that person's going to be in isolation uh, for a minimum of 10 days. Um, and so it's it reflects the fact that we're running 10 cases a day and they're each in isolation for 10 days. You're going to be right around 100. And if people have symptoms for longer um, than sort of the typical disease course, then your isolation period might run longer than the 10-day stretch. So it makes sense in the sense that we're running this many cases on a daily basis. And it's a kind of a cumulative thing. Exactly. And it's still the other thing to note, and we've talked about this, I'll just sort of re-emphasize this is the distribution really hasn't changed it's still predominantly in the ukiah valley area on the order of about 80 percent of the cases um and it's still predominantly affecting the latinx communities approximately 70 percent of the cases are all involving the latinx community um and it is still skewing somewhat to the younger population although that um, has been gradually drifting into the more elderly, um, but it's been a fairly gradual drift. And the other thing looking at that dashboard is the 3.73% positive rate. Is that sort of the R not number? Like how many people, how do, how do we understand that, that number? So that, that's, that number reflects what percentage of tests are going to be positive. So if you, if you swab 100 people, you're going to get 3.7 of those tests back positive. Now, obviously, the test isn't 100% accurate. It's not 100% sensitive or specific, but it's a pretty good indicator of how um, what the prevalence is of the disease in our community. Um, R not is a different term um, that refers to how many people are getting infected from each individual who has it. The county doesn't publish that. Um, it's a little bit more tricky to um, get a good calculus on, but R R not, I would just uh, from from a sort of back of an envelope calculation, I would estimate that we're sitting at about 1.5% right now, or 1.5. Uh, to get it on, to get the pandemic under control, uh, one's R not has to be under one, which is to say, for every person's infected, that person infects on average less than one other person. Fewer than one person. So, yeah. so that means that if as long as we stay up above one, uh, that. That that number of active cases that's currently at 124 is just going to slowly and steadily keep. It it may up. stay fairly flat. I mean, we might if we continue to only add, you know, 10 cases a day, then I would expect our isolation count, our 124, to stay at approximately where it is. Maybe it'll drop to 90 occasionally, but generally somewhere between 90 and 120 is what I would expect to see from that. But nothing too dramatic. Not if we continue to add this number of cases per day. Now, I 
you know, I've said this over and over again, I think it's going to drastically change if and when the rains arrive and we all go inside and we start developing, you know, respiratory infections other than SARS-CoV-19, um, such as influenza or just the common coronavirus. Um, so, which is to say the cold. The cold. Um, so, you know, that that's where I'm afraid we might see a significant um, uptick in the no- number of cases, both locally and, and nationally. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cheer- cheerful. Well, and other cheerful news is the CDC just sort of, they had this sort of mashup about a week ago, 10 days ago, where they released something saying this is spread via aerosols, and then they retracted the paper, and they, they just sort of slipped it out again, um, I believe it was Friday or over the weekend, um, in which they uh, announced or recommended to healthcare providers to be aware of the fact that it may spread more than six feet, um, particularly in enclosed spaces, which goes with what we have seen, certainly. Uh, the point being, particularly if it's an aerosol, which is to say a much finer particle carrying the virus that we exhale, that's going to float around for much longer, particularly in an enclosed space. Um, and so it may circulate throughout an, an entire closed room um, rather than, um, you know, dissipate only to a sphere of six feet. I think it's Boyle's Law, and you can really you can really expect it to distribute in a way um, that a gas would if it's a very fine aerosol. No, no surprise to anybody who's been following this closely, but it's interesting to see the CDC finally coming to terms with that. Interesting. So all of the stuff that people have been saying, maybe, did you hear, you know, it could be, now they're finally saying it. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, we're we're already getting some phone calls lighting up. So let's go ahead and open up the phone lines if you're ready. It's 895-2448, the number here in the Philo studio, 707-895-2448. And let's take our first call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Good afternoon. Uh, Dr. Colfax, you graduated from Harvard Medical School? I did. Wow. 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 Okay, my favorite subject, masks. (laughs) It's not sustainable that we use paper masks or the surgical masks. I would love to try a uh, cloth mask, but I want it to be a medical standard. I want that cloth to, to meet medical standards, kind of like the paper and the surgical masks, and I can't find any. Yeah, I, I think I think you're going to have a hard time fabricating a cloth mask um, that is tolerable that works with the same, you know, at exactly the same level or better than a medical mask. The surgical masks are engineered to function the way they do, and they're very good at doing so. And the N95s are even better yet. But I think it's going to be very very difficult for you to fabricate a homemade cloth mask that's going to... No, yeah, I won't, I won't fabricate. I don't know how to fabricate. I would buy. I, I'm searching for medical-grade cloth um, masks. I, I, don't, I don't think you'll find that, actually, because there's... Exactly. Yeah. We think, I think that we need to make those so that it's sustainable because we cannot put all of that 
uh, paper and uh, semi-plastic or whatever it is uh, into our landfills because I'm already reading that, uh, you know, animals are, are picking them up and um, it's just we're flooding the environment with these hard to, uh, disp- well, hard to, uh, what's the word? They're not. They're not really disintegrating easily. No, they're not. I mean, they're, they do have plastic in them. They're certainly not recyclable. Um, so they are, unfortunately, medical waste. It's offset, um, I will submit, by the tremendous downturn in our economy, in the worldwide economy. So carbon emissions during COVID have gone down quite a bit. Um, that's temporary, obviously. And I, I have repeatedly made the point that, you know, global climate change and protecting our environment is a needs to be a priority i'm not sure that there's going to be any sort of way to label something as a medical grade mask that's made out of cloth that can be uh, washed and reused over and over again i just i don't see that happening in a way that could meet the standards of um, being labeled medical grade all right thanks for that call caller good afternoon caller you're live on the air Yes. Hi, go ahead and turn your radio off if you can. Okay. Thanks. Dr. Colfax, I want to thank you and Alicia for the program. It's really great, and I've really learned a lot. Thank you. And my question is like this. Uh, Last week I was at the Ukiah Veterans Medical Clinic, and everyone was wearing masks except for the receptionist. So when I went in... Up to her, and she waited on me. I asked her, well, where's your mask? And she wouldn't answer me. Now, there was a glass barrier there, and they're on the other side of that, but, but there are three or four receptionists who work in there all the time, and I just don't think that's okay. So I just wanted to know what your thought was about it, and I'll take my answer on the air. Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, that that should not be occurring, and you would particularly expect it to not occur in a in a clinic or in a medical um, in, a, in a medical facility. I mean, those individuals are in contact with a lot of people, um, many of whom are more vulnerable on average. Um, and as we know, as we have seen over and over again, not wearing a mask indoors um, with prolonged exposure is how this virus is given. So that individual certainly should be masked. Um, and, you know, I I would urge you to call um, the clinic and ask to talk to somebody who's in charge there to find out their policy and why it's not being enforced in a more rigorous fashion, because that's that's frankly inexcusable. You know, the other day, about three weeks ago, I had to get a car repair and I was in the, the car repair shop and I was seeing a person walk around without a mask on inside. And I thought, oh, calm down, Alicia, calm down. You're going to be fine. You're wearing your mask. Most of the people here are masked. Don't was say anything. Was this at Thurston by any chance? It was Fowler. Yeah. 21 positive cases later. So I'm just bringing that up to say that it is important and it's worth talking about because you know they they did have an outbreak there yeah and and if i if i owned a business i would certainly you know it's economically imperative that you 
control or limit the possibility of an outbreak in your business because the economic consequences are going to be devastating. I mean, we see that over and over and over again. I'm sure Fowler did not enjoy having to shut down and clean everything and the negative publicity that they received around this. I, too, had my shop, my car in a shop in Ukiah, and I, too, saw everybody in the back office. You know, I, in the front office, everybody was wearing masks, but everybody in the back office was running around the office with no masks on. Mm. It, you know, it starts at the top, really, and there's, there's unfortunately just been such lack of clarity around this nationally, and I think it just, unfortunately, depends where you get your news. Yeah. All right, well, let's take another call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Yeah, back to the cloth masks. Most of the homemade ones have a little pocket that you can put a filter in, and I know my daughter uses a coffee filter. I've used some Kleenex, but what kind of a really... Um, filter could we put in that would make it as good as a medical grade mask? Well, I unfortunately I, I'm not sure that there is a filter that would um, be um, as good as a medical grade mask, unless you cut up a medical grade mask and stick it into that pocket, um, which obviously obviates the purpose of having this cloth mask. Right. Uh, a lot of people have talked about using um, HEPA filters from house filters, but those are really not made out of substances that you want to have right in front of your airway. They they may contain silica, they may contain other um, more fiber materials that you don't want to inhale microparticles from. So I, I wouldn't encourage that, particularly since they're going to need to be cut, which means they're going to be fragmented and you're going to have little particles from that modification that might end up in your lungs and stay there. So I, you know, I don't want to go too much down the wormhole of which mask. I, you know, the main thing is to wear a mask um, and wear a mask over your nose and under your chin all the time when you're out and about. And if you do that, you know, you're you're ahead of the curve um, by a significant margin. Um, and if well, we yeah, all if we all do that, they're wearing cloth masks. What's that? Homemade cloth masks. Most of us are wearing homemade cloth masks, which is fine. Uh huh. That's, I mean, that that's that's completely fine, and it's completely fine to take those home, um, and either launder them occasionally, or just set them aside and and let them self sterilize, if you will, um, and that's that's completely adequate. However. Masks are not, you know, they don't give you immunity, right? So the idea of a mask is it reduces your risk of transmission um, if you're an asymptomatic carrier. It doesn't protect you um, if there's somebody else in an enclosed space who has COVID-19. That's that Your mask is not going to protect you from that. And, you know, I, I wondered, um, seeing the clip of Trump on his drive about yesterday, whether those Secret <laughs> Service agents really thought they were getting paid enough to get in a hermetically sealed vehicle and drive around for a photo op. So, I, you know, it really, it has to be done with the sense of context and location. Um, if you're in a very tightly enclosed space, I don't care what kind of mask I'm wearing. If I'm in there with somebody else, I'm going to minimize the amount of time, um, and I'm going to wash my hands afterwards, and I'm going to do all these things that we know reduce the risk of transmission. Um, if I'm outside and somebody walks by me without a mask on, I don't really sweat it too much. I try to step aside side if I can, but it's not likely to result in my contracting COVID just from a transient um, encounter with somebody unmasked. Well, there, one more mask question. There's a KN95 mask. Mm-hmm. I bought some of those. What are they like? Are they almost as good as the 
N95s? Yeah, the K95s and the N95s are interchangeable. Um, they don't. They oh. don't. They don't have any significant um, difference in terms of their functionality. Um, the ones to avoid are the N95s with that um, release valve on them, the industrial N95s. Because those <laughs> those don't um, filter your exhalation, so those don't keep anybody around you safe at all. Okay, good. All right. Okay, I bought these KN95s that. Um, let's see. It says you vote like your life depends on it because it does, and it's a Biden Harris Harris mask <laughs> on your mask. KN95. Yeah. Wow. We can market yeah. anything. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, caller. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you. All right, the number here in the studio is 895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. We come to you every Monday and Wednesday from 3 to 3.30. And then on Friday, we do this with the public health officer, Dr. Andy Corrin, and we get the, the official word from the, from the county. This is, about, this is simply unofficial This word. is unofficial. Yes. This is freewheeling. There is, while we're, well, before we take the next call, there is increasing um, movement, at least amongst the medical community, and whether it translates to actual policy, to try to get some of these super fast, not so accurate, very cheap um, tests out. Um, and, and hopefully we start to see that translate into actual public health policy over the course of the next several months. Uh, there was a recent article published in New England Journal um, detailing how a fast uh, test technique using something called CRISPR technique um, produced a test that was very cheap, potentially, um, and quite accurate up in the mid-90s in sensitivity and specificity. So that would be um, a good sort of test to get because it would really allow us to just test willy-nilly, um, which is kind of what we need before we can start to really be able to track who has it in a time-sensitive way. And you're talking about medical community here in Mendocino County? No, this is more nationally. Ah, just yeah. the kind of yeah, larger no. conversation. We don't, we don't unfortunately, correct. We don't unfortunately really have a lot of you know, medical research occurring in this county. No, not no, yet. Not yet. Yeah. Someday we'll be a hub. Yeah. All right, let's take our next call. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hello. That's you. That's me. Thank you. Uh, I have two questions. One is, I've been seeing a lot of these masks. They're called mesh, and they have a carbon charcoal filter in them. What is that doing? I'm not sure what that mask is um i can tell you that charcoal filters don't really work in terms of filtering out viruses charcoal can remove odors quite effectively um but it's not going to pull the virus or the droplets that um, the virus attaches to um in a way that would be effective so i'm not sure specifically what those masks are but i don't think that they are going to function in a way that is um superior to sort of run-of-the-mill mask, and I'm concerned that those also may be more of the industrial type, which is to say they might have inhalation uh, filtering, but not exhalation filtering. Yeah, that's, that is an issue. And another thing I was asked, thinking about those is that I go over to Ukiah and Willits a whole lot. I drive over there. I drive truck for the food bank a lot. And uh, what do you think about for the smoke, that kind of filter? That would work for the smoke. That would that would be more effective as a as a particulate smoke type of filter, I imagine. And you know, as most of us have learned, the N95s work quite effectively for smoke as well. Um, 
even if they're sort of off the shelf, you know, Walmart or Home Depot N95s that don't necessarily fit or function as N95s. Um, so I imagine that those type of that mask that you have would work well for smoke. At the moment, hopefully, smoke's not a major issue, and we may even get rain this weekend. Yeah, it doesn't look good in the Vicaya Valley, though. It's It's been very smoky. We yeah. had this beautiful morning yesterday, but then the smoke came on back in and was there this morning as well. All right, caller, thanks yeah, for that call. One quick question. You're talking about now how it is like aerosol. Mm-hmm. So what, how about skin contact? Like, you got a mask, but what about your eyes and your skin if you're in a room? And it's an aerosol. It's going to settle on you, correct, Um, which is why when I go in as a physician seeing somebody with SARS-CoV-19, I wear a gown and um, eye protection as well as the N95 and a hairnet and shoe booties and the whole deal. And all of that gets shed. And unfortunately, to reference the previous caller's concerns, all that goes immediately into medical waste because there's no way to recycle that. Um, So, yes, it does land on your skin you can get it through your eyes that likelihood is substantially lower than it getting straight into your nasal pharynx or your posterior oral pharynx um, but hand washing is going to go a long way it might settle on your elbow but we generally don't touch our elbow to our face um, and so you know it hand washing will get the most likely skin contact uh, transmission controlled adequately or to other people's faces yeah. all right let's take one more call good afternoon caller you are live on the air Oh, I'm so lucky. I'm glad to get my two cents in. I am just pleased to hear your disclaimer, although you didn't sound thrilled to deliver it. (laughs) I have now learned that we have an independent group, somewhat, of physicians in the county, even though I suspect they're all gathered into the main line, and we all know of whom I speak because there are very few choices. Secondly, um... I would just like to hear a rundown one time if you find a moment to just go through the mask and A to B, A to Z, and get that issue over with and tell us what and why to buy which mask. Thirdly, don't miss Saturday night live debate takeoff. It was hysterical. It took me back to the 70s. You'll love it. And Dr. Drew, um... I looked up your group. I couldn't see your picture, but I envision you of a Fauci-like, intelligent, fatherly physician in whom we can all trust and we come to love and appreciate and thank you. Thank you all for your work. And with that, I have no questions. Thanks for that. (laughs) That's going to make my week. Thanks, caller. Okay, Mr. Fauci-like. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not sure there's a question there. I think there's a request that I sort of summarize what mask to buy. And I, I, again, not to belabor this point because this seems to be the, the point of anxiety of the moment. Um, I would buy the mask that you find comfortable and you are going to wear. That's the main concern um, of me that I have and uh, other healthcare providers. If you buy a mask that's super effective, if you buy an N95 and you smash it onto your face and you fit it around your nose and you can find, you quickly find that you can't really breathe or work in it and you take it off, then you're not wearing a mask. And so I, I think a cloth mask is fine. These disposable surgical masks are at, 
equally um, effective, certainly more effective in general, um, although that's still kind of an open question if you use the same paper mask 47 times. Um, so buy the mask that you find comfortable. Um, buy the one that is stylish or has the political message that you want um, and wear it. Oh, and it's pretty. Yeah. Mine has butterflies on it today. Yeah, I see that, yeah. You know, I, I have a friend who's a mask maker who just keeps churning out these gorgeous masks. So uh, I, I sense a Broadway play. Mask maker, mask maker, make, make me, me a mask. mask. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for us today before we break out into spontaneous song. I, I, I just, I'm glad I made it through this half hour without going completely off the rails with our current administration. I felt like I was relatively restrained. You were. And you know what? I have to thank you for that because I believe that one of the things that we're being pushed to do is to go off the rails around this whole thing. And I just, I'm refusing. You know, it's a circus over there. He's yanking everybody's chain and... And I don't want to be yanked anymore. I just want to get this over with and get us to November 3rd. Mm, or November 4th or 5th or December 12th. Yeah, well, whatever it is, we'll be here. Yeah. Mondays and Wednesdays, 3 to 3.30, opining unofficially <laughs> about all things COVID and anything else that comes up. Along with you, callers, thank you so much and all of our listeners for tuning in today. We're going to go out now um, and listen to Reveal in Progress. I do want to mention one important thing, though, and that is that we are in the middle of a quiet drive right now here at KZYX. Uh, you can help us reach our quiet drive goal by making a donation to P.O. Box 1 Philo, California 95466 or go online to kzyx.org. You can look at our thank you gifts. And it is also, is it still Monday? God, it's it been is Monday, Monday for hours. Yep. It's New Member Monday. And this is a particularly, um, it's a particular thing that I, that I like or that I, that I care much about, and that is that, you know, one in 10 of our listeners are actually members. That's kind of the average public radio or community radio numbers here is that one out of 10. And as a community organizer for a lot of my life, I, that just, I think we can do better than that. We've got a very active community, and I think that we can, uh, every new member Monday that comes up, I'm thinking, yeah, let's do this. Let's expand our membership. Let's have more people sign up and be part of KZYX. Well, I think also for the listeners who are fortunate enough to have lots of land or a vineyard or a winery or a successful business. Perhaps you already are a member, but you certainly could sponsor a half dozen or a couple dozen new member memberships. That is a great idea. No, yeah, thank you. I love that. And then people who maybe aren't as fortunate can become members and get a voting membership and feel all of the good feelings of being part of the station because yes. we really are we really are a community organization here. We're really part of this community with all of these voices. I mean, my job is to help corral or or facilitate a hundred volunteer programmers to to create programming for 24 7 well i feel corralled well good because you're you're one of the harder cases i have to say <laughs> no we're grateful that you're here every monday and wednesday um covid19 i guess it's the you know it corralled us into having to do this but I'm glad that you're here, and I know that our listeners are glad that you're here as well. And with that, why don't we get out of here, and you can hear Reveal in progress. And, oh, wait. <laughs> One more thing. Podcast. So this show is now a podcast, and you can find it at Apple Podcasts or at Spotify. Just search KZYX 
local coronavirus update, and you can find it. And a lot of people found us this weekend. So hello, welcome podcast listeners. And we love you, KZYX listeners. And we will be back with you Wednesday from 3 to 3.30. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYX and Z Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.